Well, church, it is so good to see everybody here today because we're beginning a brand new fall worship series that is entitled Fixer Upper Welcome Home. And the title is based on the popular TV series with Chip and Joanna Gaines. If you've never heard of the couple before, where have you been over the last eight years? Uh, Fixer Upper premiered in May of 2013, and the Gaines quickly became a household name. And they have popularized terms like shiplap, wainscoting, and barn door sliders. And my guess is some of your homes feature these items. And they parlayed their popularity into merchandising, books, magazines, and more. And this year, they have begun a new series that's entitled Fixer Upper Welcome Home. And it will be the flagship on the Magnolia Network. It seems an apt title for our fall worship series as well. For the first time in 18 months, Northside is resuming our full Sunday morning schedule with both on-site worship and on-site Sunday school. I'll also say to you, this is the largest regular Sunday morning crowd we've had in this space since March of 2020. And it's a time of fresh starts and of new beginnings. And we remind ourselves and others over and again, there's a place for each of us here at Northside to know and grow and go. But we also realize there's a lot of fixing up left to do. And today's sermon is entitled, Dream Home. We're going to be focusing during the series on the Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah. My guess is the majority of people here have never read those two books. They're relatively obscure in Scripture, and yet they are timeless stories of God's grace and power to deliver in the worst of times. But in order to understand Ezra and Nehemiah, I really need to give an overview of the entire Old Testament in one minute. So listen quick. Dr. James Johnson, who is our Director of Adult Discipleship, likes to say there are two events that shape Hebrew Scripture, Exodus and exile. In the Exodus, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness, 40 years later into the Promised Land. And over the years to come, God fulfilled the Holy Covenant made to the people of Israel. And in many ways, Jewish history reached its zenith or apex under the kingships of David and then of Solomon. David consolidated the entire country into one nation. And Solomon built the first temple of Jerusalem, which became the epicenter of Judaism. But after Solomon, in the next decades and centuries to come, civil war divided the country. And finally, in 587 B.C., the Babylonian Empire came in, destroyed Judah's armies, and raised and leveled Jerusalem itself along with the temple. The very best and brightest of the Jewish leaders were exiled to Babylonia. And it was a dark, dismal time in Israel's history. We pick up the story five decades later when King Cyrus decides it is time for the Jews to go back home. And our scripture lesson comes from Ezra chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, 
the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it into writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. In any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And all their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. Amen. The Babylonian exile of 587 BC was one of the darkest and most dismal moments in Israel's history. All hope had been dashed. They lived in darkness and despair. It seemed as if God was nowhere around. And yet even before the exile began, the prophet Jeremiah had already foretold that God would restore the people of Israel. And that's why the introduction to Ezra is so important when it says, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. And you begin to read Ezra and Nehemiah, two volumes of the same book, and it's an exciting new chapter in Israel's history where God is going to do something new. And they remind us of God's grace and power to save. And part of what the people of Israel discover is that in the midst of exile, it felt as if God was nowhere around. But looking backwards, they discovered God had been with them all along. And what was seen as a curse had also been a blessing. It was during Babylonian captivity that Israel, for the most part, once and for all, put away worshiping other idols and dedicated to worshiping God alone. It was in the exile that the scribes finally pulled together the first five books of the Bible, the Torah or the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, in their final form. It was in Babylonia that certain books of the Bible were written, including 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, Daniel, Lamentations, Ezra, and Nehemiah. It was in the exile that the first synagogues were born that would carry the Jewish people through the millennia to this very day. And what seemed like a curse ended up being a blessing for Israel. Well, today we gather as God's people after 18 months of a global pandemic. And when I began planning this series back in July, I had a line in this sermon I had to scratch out which said, as we are emerging from the pandemic. And what we've discovered is that there are variants that will continue to revisit and challenge us in the days to come. And the last 18 months have been a horrific time of struggle and of loss. And there have been times we've wondered, where's God? How is the Holy Spirit at work? 
And we may have felt abandoned in darkness and despair. But even with a year and a half's worth of perspective, we realize that God has been with us not only despite the pandemic, but also because of the pandemic. And in the midst of curse, there has also been blessing. In a sermon this summer, I began to talk about some of the ways that people responded in creative fashion to the last months, that couples began to spend more time together. Parents went out in the yard and played with their children. Families with less busy schedules gathered around the dinner table. People discovered the simple pleasures of a walk or a bike ride, gardened in their yard. Maybe you went to the grocery store and discovered the entire aisle of baking goods was empty because people were actually cooking in their kitchens. What a concept. Supply stores ran out of lumber and other building materials as people engaged in DIY projects. People enjoyed staycations at their leisure rather than elaborate vacations. And we also realize that every day is a gift and that tomorrow is not promised. Most of us also recognize the importance of the church, and maybe it was something we took for granted until we couldn't come on a weekly basis to worship and engage in discipleship and in service. We began on-site worship services last October, and almost every Sunday, I have somebody come up to me with tears in their eyes and say, this is the first time I've been inside the church building since the pandemic began. And we realize that there are some church members who are not yet ready to return. And we will continue to experience that dynamic in the days to come. Yes, much has been lost, and I am not dismissing at all the horror of the pandemic. But a people of faith recognize that God has been with us in and through it and blessed us in its midst. The other lesson that Ezra and Nehemiah teach us is the importance of hope, of claiming God's presence and God's hope even when God seems to be nowhere around. In the midst of the exile, one of the psalmists wrote the 137th Psalm, and it just portrays Israel's grief and sorrow. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing to us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? This psalm is what's known as a psalm of lament, and almost every psalm of lament ends with a song of trust, that even as the psalmist pours out anger and sorrow to God, there is still a theme of trusting that God is listening and responding. I recall seeing the very first Star Wars movie in a theater in 1977. Yes, I am that old. And it was brand new. And I remember that penultimate scene when Darth Vader's TIE fighter went spinning off into space. And I remember sitting in the theater thinking to myself, huh, I bet there's going to be a sequel. I was right. 
And when that same movie was re-released in the theaters in 1981, lo and behold, Lucas had started numbering the Star Wars franchise. It was episode four, and the title was A New Hope. We need a new hope over and over again. A reminder of God's presence. It was back in April of 2020 that our church council met when the pandemic was in its initial phases. And God help me, this is the second time I'm going to quote Dr. James Johnson in my sermon today. But he gave the devotional that night. And he talked about the prophet Jeremiah. This was just before the Babylonian army was about to overthrow Judah. And he had prophesied what was coming. And King Zedekiah had had him put into prison for words of treason. And then Jeremiah's cousin comes to him and he says, I've got a deal for you. I've got some property just three miles outside the city gates I'd like to sell to you. It was a foolhardy business deal. Jeremiah was the one who had said Jerusalem was about to fall. And yet Jeremiah bought the property and had the deed put in a safe place. And he wrote these words, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. And we see this coming true with King Cyrus as he sends the people back. You see, we as the church are a people of the cross and of the empty tomb. And I would recite to you the words I used from Frederick Beekner on Easter Sunday morning, that when you believe in the resurrection, the worst thing is never the last thing. And that God has got something new to do and hope blooms fresh in our lives. Over the next days, I hope you have an opportunity to read Ezra and Nehemiah. It's a little bit of tough slogging. 23 chapters covering 110 years of Jewish history. And part of what we discover is that the Jews did not return all at once from exile. They came back in waves one wave at a time over the decades. First was Zerubbabel. If you haven't named a newborn child yet, isn't that a great name, Zerubbabel, who oversaw the building of the altar and of the temple. Then Ezra, the revival of the people in faith and in God's word. And then Nehemiah rebuilt the gates and the walls. But it was an ongoing process. That's what we're experiencing here at Northside, a waves of people slowly returning to the church. We are not where we were, but we're not where we're going to be. And we realize the building of God's kingdom is a fixer-upper project, and it's going to take years and years and years of effort as we seek to pursue God's dream in our time and in our place. And the pandemic... It's not going to end with a bang. It's going to end with a whimper. I was reading an article that uh, one of our staff members pointed out to me. The Spanish flu pandemic, which occurred in 1918 through 1920, it is the same strain of flu that we experience on an annual basis today. It's still around 100 years later. COVID-19 is not going away. And I say this with honesty and transparency. Things are never going to be the same again. We might wish that they were, but we cannot return to February of 2020. Those days are gone. But we get to pick 
we get to pick whether we're going to continue to look backwards or forwards. Are we going to languish in despair? Or are we going to claim hope? Are we going to long for what was or be open to what God is going to do? And I have absolutely no interest in a restoration project. I don't want to go back to February 2020. I want us to move forward with excitement to see what God's new plan is for our lives, for God's kingdom, and for Northside Church, and to participate in that sort of project. Part of what's striking to me in the opening pages of Ezra and Nehemiah, as they return to Jerusalem 50 years later, and they arrive to a scene of desolation, there are all sorts of things that they could have done. Certainly, they needed to rebuild their homes. They needed somewhere to live. They needed to replant the vineyards and the fields in order to have something to eat. There were enemies all about them. They needed to rebuild the walls and the gates. But the first thing they did was to build the altar and to build the temple. And as we continue to struggle with the pandemic, there are all sorts of plans that got put off that we can be engaged in in the days to come. And they're good things, things that we ought to be about, paying attention to our vocations and to our children's education and of taking those trips that got delayed and enjoying vacation time with one another, maybe going out and cheering on your favorite team. But what would we look like and our families, and our community of faith, and the wider community in which we serve, if our first goal was to rebuild the altar, and to rebuild the temple, and place first priority upon God in our lives. And in the midst of all that we're going through, one of the gifts that God gives us is the gift of perspective. We read the stories of Ezra and Nehemiah millennia later, and we realize that moment which seemed just absolutely overwhelming to the Jews, God was still at work, and God is still at work in our midst. My wife loves to watch the HGTV network. If there's a renovation or a restoration going on, she enjoys watching the details. I'm good for about one and a half shows before my eyes glaze over. But some point in the story, usually a wide-eyed home seeker or builder will utter these words, I'm looking for my forever home. And if I'm still awake at that moment, I always giggle out loud. There's no such thing in this world. In a blog I wrote this summer, I introduced some people to a former church member named Annel O'Kelly, who attended First Methodist Church of Lawrenceville. 94 years old, she stood about this high, sprightly, full of energy. She had been born in a home just down from the church on Langley Avenue, back when Gwinnett County had dirt roads. And she was literally born in that house, raised there, got married. A few months later, she and her husband moved back in with her parents. She lived there until the day that she literally died in the bedroom in which she was born. Ninety-four years. 
And that address on Langley Avenue was not her forever home. And we celebrated that at her service of death and of resurrection. This is not her home. We're pilgrims passing through, marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high. And when you know that in your head and in your heart and in your soul, what we face here and now is but a moment of time. And God is at work. And he calls us to be at work with God, building God's kingdom in this time and in this place. So know that there is a place at Northside Church to know the love of God, to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ, to go into the world to serve others. And it is a fixer-upper project. And we need everybody's help as we charge forward into the future. And we're invited to join God who is already at work to do something amazing and something new. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, Speak to us words of hope, of resurrection, of revival. Do something new in us again and again and again. And in this time and in this place, let us as the faithful people of God join your spirit in the building of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen.